Good morning, guys. My name is, is Mike. I'm the uh, lead pastor here in Jerusalem. And um, really, come on, Jerusalem. I mean, you know, all right, whatever. Fine, you're, you're not ready for it. Um, you know, before we, before we uh, get at this, I want to kind of uh, just talk about what Jessica was just up here saying. Um, you know, as I, as I was listening to her, I was thinking about how, you know, this time next year, we're going to get up and we'll be announcing, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about the Vacation Bible School for next year, right? And I'm going to be asking for volunteers from people who aren't even part of our church family yet. People who will, people who are going to find us during v- this VBS, during kids camp, their kids are going to come and have a connection, and the, and the families will then, you know, say, hey, maybe we could go try that. It, that place seemed, seemed fun. It seemed, you know, not too, not too scary. We'll go try it. And by this time next year, people we don't even know yet are going to be part of our church family that we, like, you know, Jessica and Ben, that we, that, that we can't imagine not being part of our lives. Um, so it's really an important thing. It's really a great, this Vacation Bible School is, is awesome. It's such a good way to be able to connect with our friends and family out here, right? Fit parents are looking for fun things to do with their kids. And so it's a, it's a great way to start the summer off. And, uh, and I'm really excited. So be invitational to that. Come be a part of it if you can. Um, and, and if you can't be a part of it during that week, then help us with the teardown like she asked. You know, that'd be really awesome. It's such a fun time. But anyway, so... You know, today we are finishing up this sermon series uh, that we, we started several weeks back, um, the sermon series called The Jesus Way. And, and through this whole series, we've seen that, you know, we've seen that Jesus took the time to intentionally clarify uh, some, some depth, right, concerning uh, Old Testament law. He explained that there was more to the Christian walk than simply obeying uh, 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 this handful of, of objective laws. Jesus wanted then, and he still wants today, our hearts. That's what, that's what we hear oftentimes from him. So, you know, we started with There we go. Was that you? Okay, well, let me see if this one's working now. There we go. Okay, so we started off with these six antitheses here, right? Um, these six antitheses of Jesus where he gives, where he gives contrast to what was, was generally accepted as, as biblical truth. Now, in each of these antitheses or these, these kind of subcategories uh, here, Jesus made it clear that, that mankind has a tendency to repeatedly drift away from the original intent of God's word. But, but sadly, unfortunately, that didn't change after this sermon he gave. That's still a battle that we face of drifting from the original intent, right? And this is not an unimportant fact either. In fact, earlier in, uh, in Matthew 5, Jesus is, is he's talking to the, to the followers and he, and he calls them the salt of the earth, Right, meaning that it is our responsibility as followers to preserve this message for others. And he says that salt that no longer does its job is worthless. Now, 
I don't want to be considered worthless by Jesus, right? I want to do the job that I'm, that I'm supposed to do. And, and I know that I have worth because of his work on the cross. I know that I, that I have worth. So it's, it's very important that we stay true to the, to the message. So the answer that we've seen throughout this is to go back to God's word when we need clarification so that we can go the Jesus way, not the world's way. So before we get into this message, let me start off with prayer. Let's talk to God before we get at this. Lord, I just, uh, as, we, as we start this off today, um, you know, Lord, I just ask that you would, you, you would speak through me, that, that uh, we would add uh, any additional clarification um, that, that, that we'd point that out, the clarification that you wanted, um, that that would come through in, in my words today, but that people would take this whole series and, and really take heart and, and, and understand that, that the, the way the world tells us to do things, the way that maybe we've already been led to, to believe things uh, can easily be counter to where your heart is on things. And, and, that, and, and help us to be able to get that clarification so we can really see your heart. Lord, so that as we read through your word, that, that the spirit of, of what you're saying would come through to us, that we'd be able to read through the lines and see it. And then we'd be able to take that and, and apply it in our lives so that we can be different, so we can be uh, that the, the church that you called us to be. So, so Lord, we just ask that you would be glorified through this message, that, that it would resonate with us and it would be able to be applied in our lives because we want you to be glorified, Lord. We say this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today's sermon's uh, title is called Love Your Enemies, right? Um, and, and we'll be focusing today mostly on uh, continuing in Matthew 5, verses 43 and 48, if you want to follow along if, with your Bible or your Bible app. Um, that's where we're going to be for the most part today. Um, and we're going to be studying the sixth antithesis uh, that's found right at the beginning of this passage um, that we're studying in, verses four, in verse 43. And it says, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Now, that's pretty heavy, right? Love your enemies. Pray for those who, who persecute us, really? Man, it was bad enough, you know, last week we had to listen to Dave tell us to turn the other cheek or to, to carry somebody else's burden for, you know, an additional mile, but to love and to pray for our enemies? But remember, each week as we've gone through this, we've been reminded that the law points forward to Jesus, to something different, right? Showing us how to stop doing things the world's way and start doing things the Jesus way. So that brings us to our first point here today, which is that God never said to love your neighbors and hate your enemies. Now, I already shared this, this verse with you in Matthew 5.43. It says, you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Now, it, you know, it talks about this, this you know, he's saying you've heard this law. That what Jesus is referencing is this Old Testament passage in Leviticus 19 verse 18 that says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, 
like, like Dave explained to us last week, this, this last sentence, I am the Lord, that carries some weight. This is final, right? That, that, uh, has the, um, that carries the weight of the throne on it, right? It, it's the seal of the king. Now, this passage never says, though, to hate your enemies. But it seems, it seems as though church leaders must have inferred that if you love your neighbor, then, then the flip side of that coin it obviously must mean then that you are allowed to hate your enemy, right? But that's, see, that's what happens. That's, that's what happens when we, when we don't actually know Jesus' heart and we try to fill in those blanks for him, is we, we infer things that aren't there or, or whatever. We, we do this based off of, uh, of, you know, feelings. For generations, people have been uh, adding their own understanding based on their feelings, even though um, we're clearly told that our feelings can't be trusted. We're told that in the, in the Bible. Um, so God wasn't just telling us this for his benefit, though, okay? This is really important. He was, he was, also, he was also protecting us from the consequences of this. Now, last week, we heard this, this other verse. It's right before this one. It's verse 17, and it says, confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sin. Now, wait a second. Like, what the, what the heck am I being held guilty for if they're the ones who did wrong? I think that's a fair question to ask, right? Well, the thing is, is animosity and, and unrighteous anger toward our enemies can quickly become prison sentences. And Jesus knows this, and this is why he's, he's warning us on this. Now, let me just share... Let me share a, a personal story here about, about how I, I, I experienced this, this drift from righteous anger. So, you know, a lot of you guys know that I was a, I was a police officer at another, you know, chapter of my life. Um, I, I retired from law enforcement a few years back, um, but about 13 or 14 years ago, uh, I, was in a, I was involved in a gunfight here in, here in, in town. Okay, with a suspect who he was wanted for for bank robbery and kidnapping, and and uh, you know he decided to come and and shoot police officers, uh, including myself, um, was his was his plan. Okay, now after this confrontation in that dark parking lot, um, you know he ended up in the hospital for for months, and eventually went to federal prison for for several years, um, and I was you know physically. I was I was unscathed, um, but you know I had I I I was I was hurt mentally um, and emotionally, right? I I was angry with him, right? Which was it was a righteous anger, right? This guy this guy tried to kill my friends and I, and so I was I was righteously angry with him for this, um, but you know my righteous anger soon just became anger. Right, I, it, it just became something that that was that, that encompassed who I was. I was I was always angry. I was pessimistic. I was cynical. Right. I I I was highly opinionated, and my opinions weren't right all the time. But I but I was highly opinionated about that about things in in general. Now, see what had happened was I had allowed what was righteous anger at one point to become something that I couldn't break free of. 
It was no longer a, a symptom that I was dealing with, but it had become my diagnosis. Anger, cynicism, hatred. I had gone from being the victim of someone else's sin and I had just become the sinner. But you know, a lot of people supported my anger. They supported my cynicism. They, they, they supported my pessimism. They said, yeah, you know, I'd be mad too. I'd be ticked off if you know, something like that happened. You have, you have every right to be angry. And that anger that I was repeatedly told was justified kept me shackled from really healing. It took a long time. So I want to get here to our second point, which is that the world's way imprisons us, but the Jesus way sets us free. See, we are blessed. As believers, we are blessed to be set apart from that world out there. We don't want to be like that world out there. And the, thing, the other part is that, that God is glorified when we demonstrate that we want to do things his way instead of the world's way, instead of our way. God is glorified in that. We just sang about that in that song just a few minutes ago. Now in Matthew 5, verse 46, the next, pat, the next verses, it says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt, even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. See, Jesus is saying that you should be different from that world. And there are differences. There are different experiences when you do things the world's way with anger and hatred versus when you do things the Jesus way that's, that's, that's love, right? When you, when you hate your enemy, you camouflage your sin, right? We make excuses to justify it. I did that, right? Uh, I, 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 was, I was full of anger, but I justified it because, you know, the original situation, it was, it was righteous for me to be mad because of the experiences that I had gone through. And I justified the continuation of that anger, I justified that, that that was just kind of what embodied my life. But the other thing is that we get stuck in bitterness. Pretty soon you, you start to identify with your anger. You, you start to identify with your hatred. And that's really how I felt. It was just, I was just a, a judgmental, opinionated person. I was cynical. I, I sort of prided myself in the fact that um, I could see somebody randomly and, and maybe tell you things about the decisions they've made in their life. I sort of prided myself on that. I was very cynical. I saw the worst in people. The last part of that, the last on that, on that list, when you hate your enemy, is that you chain yourself to your enemy. See, this other person, perhaps unknowingly, controls your thoughts, your feelings, even your emotions, right? You guys have heard that, that phrase, uh, uh, you know, people living rent-free in your head, right? This was my situation, right? So if you think about it, and that, that, that situation that I just told you about as a police officer, that first night, I won the fight, right? I did really well in that situation. I won it. I came out of that unscathed, but over the next Ye several years, 
you know, this guy is sitting down in, in federal pr prison, you know, fat, dumb, and happy, you know, getting three meals a day and, and working on classes to improve himself. And here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm free, right? But I'm, I'm mad and, and, I'm, and I'm bitter inside. I've got this darkness in my heart. And, what I, and, I, and, and every time I think about it, I'm, I'm madder and I cry and, I, and I'm emotional because he was controlling me and he didn't even know it because I had allowed that, that anger to take root in my life. But things can be different, right? When you, when you love your enemy, when you admit that you also sin, right? In, instead of going and, and saying, well, this guy, he does this. Your sin is, is pretty bad. And, and yours, his is, you know, let me tell you about what he does. That's, that's way worse than, than what happens, what I do, right? But you stop that comparison game. You admit you also sin. You go, hey, man. I've struggled with that too. I know what that's like. You're not alone. You're not the only husband who's, who's had that, that heartbreak. You're not the only father who's, who's struggled with this. I've done the same thing. Next one is that you free yourself to forgive. You identify with forgiveness. Instead, before, when you identify with your anger and your hatred, you know, you're a, you're a, a, a disgruntled such and such, but now you, you identify as being forgiven. You wake up in the morning and you're like, hey, you know what? I had a death sentence, y'all. I, I had a death sentence but I don't anymore. Man, that's fantastic. That's my identity now, right? When I've been set free, when I love my enemy, I'm free from that. The third part is you connect yourself to the yoke of Jesus. Now, you know, for those of us who aren't farmers, um, let me explain. A yoke is that big wooden thing that goes over like, uh, you know, an ox or a team of oxen or something, right? So they can pull the, the, the wagon thingy behind them and plant stuff and, you know, we get corn. Um, but the, the yoke, the yoke is a symbol of submission, okay? Now this ox by itself, I mean, I'm a pretty big dude, but this ox is, is way bigger than me, right? Like by myself, I can't tell that ox what to do. I can't force it to do anything. But when it's under the, the submission of that yoke, the farmer can get this, you know, this team of oxen to go and do whatever it is. Well, it's the same kind of thing with Jesus, right? After all, the point is to, to be in line with being in, submitted to the way of Jesus. But look at this, because this isn't a bad thing when I say that. This isn't a bad thing. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now, how many of you guys find yourselves tired? Anybody ever find themselves tired? Like really tired. Not just physically tired, but, but mentally and emotionally and physically and spiritually spent. 
may I offer that perhaps you haven't fully grasped that submission to Jesus part. See, his is simply a better way. Loving our enemies is a better way. And here's, here's some examples of, of loving our enemies, just, just for conversation's sake. How about going beyond hatred to blessing others spiritually? How about forgiving them? right? My, my buddy yesterday, I was having coffee with my friend and he was telling me about, he was driving uh, down to Ogden. He got on the freeway and, and he, he accidentally cut somebody off or, or did something as he was merging onto the freeway. And this lady drives by and, and she flips him off. And, and so he just waves at her, just, you know, five fingers, waves back. And his son is sitting there and says, dad, why didn't you just flip her off back? And he said, he says, well, what good does that do? Like, I made an honest mistake, and if I just, you know, and I wave, and, and, and she drives down the road, maybe, maybe it changes her heart. You know, maybe she has a little bit of remorse and, and thinks that that wasn't the right way to do things, and maybe she doesn't do that to the next person. And about a mile down the road, she comes and passes him, and she waves, kind of, you know, drops her head a little bit, kind of, you know, re- remorseful, right? But, but waves back at him because she had obviously had some sort of a, of a change in her heart when she saw that somebody else had forgiven her for the, the gesture that, that she had done. How about this? How about going across political lines to pray for the other side? I know, right? Now, this is a rhetorical question. Don't, don't raise your hand. <laughs> Have any of you refused to pray for our president over the last few presidencies? When somebody says, you know, they post that thing on Facebook that says, pray for our president. And somebody says, it's not my president. Now, I said last few presidencies, so you don't, none of us know where the other ones stand on that. But that's tough, Right? That's tough when we, when we see that because sometimes we can see that as a personal affront to us. And we're like, I don't want to pray for that guy. I, it's those plans that I think are ruining my, my life or my country or whatever it is, maybe. How about this one? How about actively praying for those who have genuinely wronged you? Maybe, maybe we're talking abuse. Maybe we're talking flipping you off on the freeway. Maybe we're talking, you know, somebody who has, 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 has said, said something terrible to you or, or about you or, or they've done something. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that we remove healthy boundaries, okay? I want to make sure that you understand that. It is okay to have healthy boundaries, but what I'm talking about is, is intercessory prayer for those who need Jesus to set them apart from the world, people who need to be blessed by Jesus so they can do things his way rather than their own way. Wouldn't, guys, wouldn't the world be a, a better place if we had fewer people who qualified as someone's enemy? Man, we should pray for those people. But that can be tough. Our third point here is this. Blessing our enemies is the ultimate expression of the Jesus way. Now, God calls us to be sacrificial and generous even to our enemies, which is exactly what he did, okay? And in, in this passage, uh, in the next 
the last two passages in, in this section that we're doing. Verse 45, it says, in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. We don't have to necessarily understand or agree, but that's his heart. In verse 48, it says, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. But it's impossible to be perfect, right? Well, Romans 5, whoops, Romans 5, uh, 10 and 11 says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Jesus was sacrificial and generous when he went to the cross for you. Tortured and, and murdered, though he had never committed a single sin. God gave his perfect son as payment for our sins if we would just confess those sins and, and trust in him. And this was exemplified uh, in one of the last things that, that Jesus did before his death was to ask God the Father to forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now, he's not just talking about the Roman soldiers or the, the Jews who demanded his death. He's talking about us. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. And we should be rejoicing in that. Right? Yeah. We're friends of God, man. Hallelujah, that's right. Now I'm not, I'm not saying, guys, that this is, is easy, right? Um, it usually isn't, or at least it often isn't, but it is best for us. And I know, I know that, because I'm free of that anger now, right? Um, the, the, the anger that I had, I'm, I, you know, I, mean, I still get angry, but it doesn't define me anymore. You know, I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not, I'm not, I don't wake up and, and, you know, consider myself angry or cynical or, or, or disgruntled or, or anything like that. And I'm forgiven. Like I said before, I had a death sentence and now I don't. And I am going to rejoice and high five people for that. Now, as we close here today, um, you know, as we've gone through this series, we've seen We've seen these, these six um, uh, examples here, these six an, uh, antitheses, right? Um, these examples of, of Jesus saying, look, I, I know you think that you're doing it right. You're doing it by the book. You're, you're following all the rules, very black and white, right? Or, or maybe, you think, maybe you think the opposite. Maybe you think that you're enlightened, Maybe you found a way to do it better than the uptight, closed-minded parents that raised you. But Jesus says, do it the way I show you. Do it with a heart like mine. He says, be reconciled. Be, be radically pure. Be selfless in your marriage. Tell the truth. Be honest. 
It's that simple. Be honest. Be a blessing to other people. And as crazy as it sounds, love your enemies. Jesus wants so much more for us. That verse, that, that verse 48, it, it said, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Guys, we don't want to keep doing things the way that the world is, is telling us to do them. The world's, the world's way is how we got into this mess, right? This is how we separate ourselves from, from that world out there. This is how we do things the Jesus way. Will you guys pray with me? Lord God, I thank you for, I thank you for your, your clarification for this. I totally understand myself how um, sometimes we can, we can, you know, get off track thinking we're doing things the right way. We, we do justify the things in our lives that, that lead us down other paths, that we justify the sin in our life. But Lord, you've, you've come and you've clarified for us and you've said, look, on these things that, you, that, that, that you're not crystal clear on here, read more of the word. And so Lord, I'm thankful that we have this opportunity, that we, that we live in a place where we can have the, your word downloaded on our phone and we can have that ready at a moment's notice and that we don't have an excuse anymore for not knowing your heart. Thousands of years ago, people, people didn't have that readily accessible, but here, everybody in this room, we have this accessible. So Lord, thank you for that. And I would just ask that as we go and we, we ponder this, this lesson, this, this whole sermon series, Lord, that you would, that you would move in our, in our lives and put people in our, in our way, in our, so we can't go without having conversations about you, so, so that we can't just uh, grasp onto something that we, we get wrong and not have people who are there ready and willing to come alongside us and help us to find clarification by diving into your word. Lord, give us those people in our, in our lives. I, I know you've already given them to us. Help us to see them, Lord, so that we can take these lessons and we can apply them in our lives so that our lives glorify you, Lord. That's what we ultimately want, is you to be glorified so that we can be more like you. Lord, we love you. We love your, your, the gift of your son. And we say all this in Jesus' name, amen.